Your On The Mark podcast is loading now. The On The Mark podcast is sponsored by the Sunbury Motor Company, family-owned dealership since 1915, 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia on Routes 11 and 15 Hummel's Wharf. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1 800 795 9565 or email on the mark at WKOK.com. Now, here are your hosts for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence and Ben Reikley. <laughs> Ben's got the day off, but I am so glad to say that John Shipman agreed to come in, a fine local businessman, Sunbury resident, one of the many people that uh, see their Sunbury glasses half full and very capable of being filled up and overflowing, uh, helped to start Spark. Uh, would you say you are the instigator of Spark back in the day? Uh, actually, I was uh, one of a number of collaborators. I would say that uh, the person who really instigated that uh uh, or, or two. Uh, one was your boss, uh, Roger Haddon, and uh, the other was uh, the, the uh, publisher of the uh, newspaper in Sunbury. Jan Tippett. Uh, Jan yeah. Tippett. And uh, those uh, two really got it going. Uh, but we had a lot of the top people from the area on it. Uh, and uh, uh, we started out, uh, it was uh, Spark, it was Sunbury Pride and Renaissance Coalition 2010, and it was supposed to last for 10 years. And it's still gone. So, so all right, well, fabulous. Yeah, and then What's they that? got desperate and uh, just took whoever they could get and put me on for a oh, while. Oh, you were on yeah. the Spark board. <laughs> well, and a lot of the people that were on Spark used to also uh, uh, regularly put their money where their mouth was when it came to improving things in Sunbury. So we can talk more about that later. We have asked for and received an opportunity to talk to Dr. Leonard Steinhorn, a professor at American University. We always He always helps us monitor the goings-on of things in Washington and the presidency and American history and uh, written a couple of books uh, and is just a a great commentator on all things America these days. So thank you, uh, Dr. Steinhorn. Thanks for calling in. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Very much appreciated. Uh, let's let's talk about uh, the president is trying to get gasoline prices to go back down. He's, he had some ethanol changes. He had uh, the strategic oil reserves that were being used. He's allowed more leasing of land for drilling. Is this sticking? I wouldn't say that I can detect that the public has any sense that any of these are helping in any way. Look, the gas prices, oil prices, there's only so much we can do in the United States. And even if it cuts the price by 10 or 15 cents, the prices are so high that people barely notice that anyway. You've also had states that are having, let's say, gas tax holidays as well, um, trying to figure that out, uh, lower the price. But the bottom line is that regardless of what we do in this country, we're dealing with a worldwide oil market and oil companies taking advantage of higher prices worldwide, in part because of Russia's uh, uh, invasion of Ukraine and the attempt to sort of stifle and keep Russian oil and gas away from everybody else, which isn't always successful, um, and Saudi Arabia refusing to cooperate and pump more oil. Uh, and so. 
we're really dealing with factors beyond anyone's ability to control it in the United States because you're dealing with a worldwide oil market. So even though we are generally self-sufficient as a country in terms of oil, in terms of uh, you know energy self-sufficiency, um, some of the price uh, hikes are beyond anyone's control in the United States government, and the oil companies, which make ref- record profits, will continue to keep prices high because that's what the worldwide market allows them to do. So unless the president goes in there and tries to put sort of uh, attempts to place some controls on the oil companies and the American energy industry, which is highly unlikely, um, we are stuck with a worldwide rise in prices that's affecting us here at home, regardless of what we try to do. Is all of this the end of the Biden administration's energy policy as we once knew it, this idea of promoting green energies? Is all that going to be on hold? Will that uh, kill that uh, for now or forever? Well, the sad irony of all of this is we're talking about this today on Earth Day, um, the first Earth Day 52 years ago in 1970. And we have serious issues with our climate and our environment. We do. We have to address it. And one of the major drivers of those problems is fossil fuels and how much energy we use. Um, So the very fact that the president wants our oil companies uh, to pump more oil and is sort of knows that we depend on fossil fuels and is emphasizing the need to be able to lower prices of fossil fuels right now, it seems to run against the whole notion that we should be lowering our dependence on fossil fuels and increasing our use of sustainable energy and renewable energy. So it's sort of a sad irony here. I don't know if it marks the end of this, because as we know, oil prices can spike and then they can also go down. We don't know how long the war in Ukraine will take place. Um, We just don't know all of these factors. And in certain administrations, in certain periods, you've seen oil prices go up and down and up and down. No president can take credit for these things, even if they ever try to, when the oil prices are down. And we really shouldn't blame a particular president when the oil prices are, are very high. Um, But, as you say, does it mark the end? I'm not so sure it marks the end, but it does reinforce the notion of how dependent we are on fossil fuels right now. So the next question is, okay, even if we deal with this temporary situation uh, and try and pump more oil and, you know, sort of flood the market even more to potentially try and lower prices a little bit, Are we also going to provide the resources and the commitment to invest in and create a greater reliance on renewable and sustainable energy? I think that's the big question. And the president's plan for some of this uh, was undermined way before the war in Ukraine and way before these gas prices began to spike because he wanted to include a lot of that in his Build Back Better plan, but with a margin of basically zero in the United States Senate, Uh, And all you need is one senator in the Democratic Party to sort of resist that. Um, uh, That money is now not going towards sort of of climate change issues, and uh, that hasn't been passed. So, uh, yeah, it's a temporary pause, but I do think that this next generation of young people, climate change is a big issue. They're ultimately going to have to vote on this, and they're going to be seeing each day and each year the effects of climate change on their lives. And at a certain point, there's going to be a tipping point where they say, enough, 
we've got to invest in something and do something to at least forestall some of the worst effects of climate change that are not going to affect you, older generation, but us younger generation for the rest of our lives. I'd like to ask a question. Um, this is John Shipman. I'm co-host this morning. Uh, where, where do you stand on nuclear energy? Well, um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I think Joe Biden actually uh, is, is saying, hey, maybe we need to give some funds to make sure that some nuclear power plants uh, have a longer life because they don't uh, emit uh, sort of uh, carbon uh, into the atmosphere, um, and uh, they are considered a form of clean energy. And you have a bunch of people in the environmental movement and a bunch of climate scientists who say that that's one answer to be able to address our uh, reliance on fossil fuels right now. Of course, the downside to all of that is safety and security. Um, you know, in Pennsylvania, you have you know some memories of what happened in uh, 1979 with Three Mile Island, and with the war in Ukraine, we're reminded of uh, Chernobyl uh, as the Russian troops uh, go in there and tinker with the terrible and horrible uh, waste site of that nuclear meltdown. So the question is, how can we be reassured that nuclear plants are going to be safer than ever? They cost a lot of money to build, they take a long time to build, uh, and we always have that uncertainty about uh, uh, their safety, as well as uncertainty about where to store some of the nuclear waste. Uh, Most states in this country don't want that nuclear waste stored in their state near any of their citizens. So there are a lot of questions to uh, ask and answer about nuclear energy, though there are lots of people who say this is clearly an alternative that we have to think about and consider, invest in, and make sure there are safeguards so that we do have more sort of safe energy, or I'm sorry, clean energy, um, uh, to be able to rely on in the future. Three Mile Island was 60s technology, uh, as you point out, was built uh, built uh, in uh, in the 70s. Um, uh, technology certainly has come a long way uh, since 19 the 1960s. Uh, I drove I got my driver's license in 1960, and in those days, uh, cars had absolutely no kind of emissions control, no smog control. Um, you had a vent cap on the on the uh, uh, the top of the engine and a vent pipe on the bottom of the engine and all that interior energy uh, uh, pollution just came out the pipe and the bottom and so forth. Uh, cars today uh, ha- are, are remarkably uh, efficient because of things like fuel injection and and all of the the uh, uh, latest technology that that makes them burn gasoline more more efficiently and so forth certainly nuclear energy has come a long way since 1960 yeah no question and, and that's a good point but cars still break down and we still have recalls on lots of cars that happen uh, notwithstanding the best of technologies and we have some of the most amazing digital technologies in the world, yet we still have hackers who can get in there and cause all sorts of problems. And nuclear power plants, as well as all power plants right now, 
uh, depend on digital technology, and we've seen instances of hackers doing things and creating problems. Uh, so as the technology gets better, as you say, and it gets safer, as you say, and no question nuclear power plants are better and safer, um, uh, it also gets more complicated. It leaves it open for the potential of hackers to cause all sorts of mischief, and we've seen what the Russians are willing to do worldwide in terms of hacking, and, and, and the Chinese and even the Iranians. Um, and so uh, you're right, the technology is better, but we have to make sure that it's you know completely fail-safe because the consequences of something happening bad at a nuclear power plant are so much greater than ever before. So uh, you're right, the technology is much better, um, and we, but we just have to make sure that it's 100% safe for the people around it. So it's sort of, uh, as the technology gets better, so does the potential for mischief, um, but even when technology does get better, sometimes it doesn't work as planned. So that's the dilemma we face on this. But again, we've had nuclear power plants functioning for many, many, many years and have had very rare instances of them failing. And if they do fail, we have safeguards in place that catch it very quickly. So with the new technology, you have to hope that those safeguards are even better and we catch it even more quickly. And something that does create a problem is caught very early before anything bad happens. Um, but we have to be sure about that because the stakes of any sort of failure are very, very high. Moving, well, moving on to the student loan crisis. Let's talk about that. Uh, the Biden administration really backed into a corner. Very difficult for anybody to navigate this. Uh, the Education Department said there's going to be a limited amount of uh, student loan forgiveness that they're considering. Uh, it, it sort of explain President Biden's uh, quandary here. Well, look, we have record student loan debt right now. I, I think the number is over $1.7 trillion. Um, it's enormous. Uh, I see it with my own students as they sort of factor in the sheer amount of debt that they have in terms of what they want to do with their lives and uh, how much money they can potentially make. Um, I actually asked a question in class yesterday talking about ethics. Um, would you take a job in an organization that, you, that really meant a lot to you for twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars $25,000 less than a job in an organization or a company that does things that you don't particularly like? And in years past, it was almost always the job uh, with the lower pay uh, at the organization uh, that they really liked. Nowadays, it's split. And when I then put in the question and add to it the prompt, uh, what about student loans if you have those? more students will say that they'll take the job that they don't really like or that sort of does things that they don't really like to the country or the environment. So it does become a factor in people's individual lives in terms of how we, uh, we've uh, increased the amount of debt people have. And then we add in the sort of notion that higher education and the skills you acquire and the critical thinking you gain are so essential for the type of knowledge economy that we're in. So we're basically asking young people and families that don't have means, first-generation students and others, to subsidize the economy through their own personal payments um, because of higher education and what they learn there is essential for a good functioning modern economy that continues to place the United States ahead of most other countries in terms of innovation and technology uh, and, and uh, sort of insight into how we get things done. Uh, so yes, this is part of what 
President Biden is facing and the conversations that he's having inside the White House. Now, they have extended a student loan moratorium until August 31st. Um, they're also sort of thinking and kicking around. Do they just forgive $10,000 in student loans to everybody? Uh, do they do an, a sort of income-based forgiveness of student loans? You already have some income forgiveness of student loans that the Biden administration has been trying to expand. There's also a public service forgiveness of student loans that the Biden administration is, is trying to expand. The thing is, the Biden administration and the president, they're not sure they have the legal authority to forgive all of these student loans, whether it's $10,000 of student loans or $50,000 of student loans for all people or even income adjusted. Um, and so what they would like is for Congress to be able to approve something like that. But there seems to be no interest right now or no ability or no consensus in Congress on whether to do that or how to do it. So the question then becomes, does President Biden move ahead unilaterally with an executive order to do something like that? And that's what they are thinking about right now in the White House. Uh, but there's a sort of moratorium till August 31st. They bought some, themselves some time. There's also a political element to it, which is that, um, uh, and there's both sides on this. Uh, they know that if they want to motivate a lot of young people to go out and vote, in the midterm elections and the presidential elections two years from now, um, student loan forgiveness is one big thing that might motivate a lot of people who will say, hey, you're doing a lot for us. But there's other people out there who say, hey, I've already paid my student loans back. Why should you be getting forgiveness? Well, I think that uh, one of the things uh, that has contributed to the student loan crisis is government policy. Uh, the more the government seems to tinker with this, uh, the worse the problem seems to become. And uh, I grew up in an era when there wasn't any student loans. Uh, you uh, worked and went to school or your parents could afford to pay it. Um, I, it, I think that there's a need uh, to help some students. Um, I think that across the board, however, rewards middle and upper income people who can really afford to pay their own. And <clears throat> uh, and I think that that's probably something that should be off the table. I, I think that helping people who, who are unable to pay and so forth, as you pointed out, there is some remedy for that at this point. Uh, I think we all feel that those people need some help. But uh, I don't think that we should be subsidizing middle and upper income people uh, who chose to find finance through student loans. Um, I was able to, my daughters went to college in the, in the uh, uh, 80s and 90s, and uh, college tuition was still fairly affordable, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be able to pay for my three daughters' education as they went. Today, uh, the cost of a college education is probably triple what it was uh, back in the 1980s uh, and early 1990s. So part of the problem is that the cost of college education has skyrocketed way, way, way beyond the inflation rate, and that's because uh, the government has uh, subsidized. Uh, all of these things. And so if you can borrow the money, uh, the colleges are free to increase the rates. Well, I think it's not just government subsidies. I mean, being at a college and university, um, you know, we have enormous technological needs. 
um, to be able to uh, use in our classrooms and to be able to digitize records. Um, and there's enormous need for scientific uh, and medical research, which adds to the cost of, um, of any college or university. Um, and one of the reasons why they get government support is to support that type of research. Plus, for good or for ill, whether you agree or not, I mean, I went to college in a time where there are fewer offices and administrators and all the rest. There's a lot more of them around, and so some of that money goes to support that. But that also goes to helping veterans. There are programs for veterans on college campuses. There are programs for international students on college campuses. So the sort of the sort of quality of life has increased at college campuses to to require a lot more money to be able to support the systems uh, that exist on most college campuses. Now we can talk about, and I am certainly sympathetic to the notion of reducing administrative costs and cutting out a lot of offices, because the real importance of a college education is what goes on in the classroom, which is what you had when you were in college, and for the most part, what I had when I was in college. Um, but the cost of running a college is very, very, very extensive um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, but l there's another factor here, which is this. Um, Let's say you live in New York and you have an upper middle class income of $80,000 a year. That doesn't buy you much in New York as it would, let's say, in a small town in Kansas, okay? So the people in a small town in Kansas have a lot more money in hand simply because of where they live to pay for their kids' education versus the people in New York for whom an $80,000 a year income, which if you average it nationally, sounds really good, but not necessarily if you're living in Brooklyn or Manhattan or even Queens, New York. So part of it is that you have a lot of people at sort of different income levels in different parts of the country that have a lot uh, a higher cost of living uh, uh, issues that they have to pay for, housing issues and other issues that they have to deal with um, that are squeezing them. So they may sound like they're upper middle class and should be able to afford the $70,000 a year full payment, which is basically what it is uh, for, for uh, people to go to college. But in many parts of the country, the cost of living is so high that those families really need the support and help. Um, and so what we've done as a policy in this country for years is to depend on individual loans rather than grants that recognize that college is an essential part of our nation's economy in terms of how it runs and the types of knowledge and skills that it produces uh, in our workers. So we've made those decisions over the years to invest in a certain type of payment for college that falls on individual families versus something that falls on our collective shoulders because higher education does benefit us collectively as a nation. There's a reason why I have students from every single country around the world, even China, coming to, into my classes to be able to study in the United States because we have the best colleges and universities in the world and, and the, the best form of higher education, and that's why they all want to come here, and it ultimately does benefit our country in so many ways. Well, thank you so much for your your remarks. Anything to add that you'd like to add that uh, would uh, elaborate or uh, we didn't ask you that relates to these topics as it relates to sort of the sticky issues that are hurting the Biden administration at this time? 
Well, look, I've been thinking a lot about this, and I'm beginning to compare today's uh, situation with the post-Vietnam War years, where I think our country uh, was in sort of a form of depression. Remember when Jimmy Carter uh, called it a crisis of confidence? He never used the word malaise. Um, He called it a crisis of confidence. I don't know if we're in a crisis of confidence the same way right now, but, you know, we've been hit with one of the you know, most unusual and uh, difficult moments in our history in these past two years, a pandemic that has killed just about a million Americans, perhaps even more, depending on how you count it. That's a lot of us. That's about 3% of all Americans have died from this pandemic. And then you've had school children sort of in mass or not being able to go to school or college students in mass and not being able to go to school and families that are upended and particularly women who have seen their careers uh, sort of with marbles thrown on the floor in front of them because they've had to navigate issues like childcare during a pandemic. And so, you know, this is uh, something that no individual president can control. They can only do the best they can, and there no president in any crisis is going to run or function anything like this perfectly. We're not a machine. We make decisions. Some decisions are right, and some aren't. So I think sort of President Biden's troubles really reflect a lot more on the state of our nation versus the state of his presidency. There is an article out, I believe it was the New York Times, about the COVID relief plan and the, what, I don't know, 1.7 or whatever it is, trillion dollars that uh, that was approved early on in the administration. And when you ask people about all the money that they were able to get and, and put in their bank accounts as savings and all the benefits from that, very, very few actually sort of uh, recognize that it was the Biden administration that moved that through. Or you have that infrastructure bill. Very few people see the results of that right now or even think about that as a major accomplishment. So here's somebody who, in uh, you know, first sort of year and a quarter has done some major things, but also raised expectations and not delivered on some of those, which is part of the problem. But does that merit such low uh, favorability scores? I'm not so sure. Uh, but at the same time, I think a lot of it has to do with sort of the feeling in our country right now, uh, this sort of depression that we're in after coping with this once in a century horrible and murderous pandemic that we're living through. Well, thank you so much for your analysis and your information. Very, very much appreciated. We'd love to check in with you, and uh, we'll talk again. So thank you, Professor Steinhorn. Thank you. Uh, nice talking hey. to you, Professor. Yes, yeah, same here. And those are great questions you ask, and I really appreciate it. Mm, thank you. Uh, Dr. Leonard Steinhorn, an author, CBS News political analyst, professor of communications, and affiliate professor of history at American University, wrote the controversial book, The Greater Generation in Defense of the Baby Boom Legacy in 2006. <laughs> so. <laughs> my my father's turning his hand, thumbs down right now. <laughs> but in, in in that book, I, I only got through the first couple chapters before I had to stop. But uh, he does say that the reason the baby boomers uh, may be considered the greatest generation is because the greatest generation just would not let them malaise or underperform. That they got pushed, pushed, pushed. You know, from grade school on up, uh, the greatest generation invented helicoptering. All right, we got to take a quickie break. We're going to do so momentarily. We thank you for standing by. We're going to take a break. We'll have CBS News and then we'll be back on News Radio 1070 WDK. Okay, Sunbury. 
There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing. They can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app. News Radio 1070 WKOK presents On the Mark. It's a chance to voice your opinion on the events that affect life in the Susquehanna Valley. Call 1-800-795-9565 or email onthemark at wkok.com. Now, here's your host for On the Mark, Mark Lawrence. Greetings. Welcome on board. WKOK's live telephone talk show, On the Mark. I'm Mark Lawrence. We're so glad to say John Shipman is with us today, our good uh, co-host. Kevin Hers, our fabulous producer. And uh, we're on the air. We would love to hear from you today. 1-800-795-9565 is our open phone. And you can email us at onthemark at WKOK.com and text us at 70236. One of our listeners have sent us a dozen texts, so we'll try to get to as many of those as we can in the hour ahead, but we invite you to check in today. I want to tell you about our sponsor. It is the Sunbury Motor Company. You see them as uh, just one of the fine businesses in Sunbury that's pushing and pushing and pushing and making sure that Sunbury moves forward. We saw Corey Fossold uh, representing both Sunbury Motors uh, and Brewers Outlet at the Sunbury Quincentennial Celebration kickoff yesterday to uh, unveil and introduce the Grand Marshals, Representative Culver and John Gordner, and the Sunbury Motor Company was there represented as one of the prime sponsors. So a lot of businesses and organizations have been able to say that uh, I'm pro Sunbury Motors, and we want you to be too. We want you to join the tens of thousands of people who are happy customers at the Sunbury Motor Company, and they've spoke to folks like Ernie and Austin and uh, Jason and Chris and Alphonse and Jeff Clock and have walked away very happy customers saying, I definitely will return when the time comes in the years ahead to buy another vehicle there, and I'll do my service there. And uh, they become pro Sunbury Motors as I am, and I know John is across from me, and I know Kevin is. Everybody's driving around these Sunbury Motor Company vehicles, uh, in part out of just plain common sense and smart driving, but a little bit of loyalty as, as part of a great Sunbury team, the Sunbury Motor Company. Of course, they got the Kia dealership on Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf as well, so we thank them uh, for that, and we thank everybody who's for supporting, and uh, consider buying your next vehicle at the Sunbury Motor Company. Toll-free line is now open 1-800-795-9565 you can email us at onthemarket.com and text us at 70236 include the keyword OTM we have two advisories from PennDOT that popped up yesterday one that the lane restrictions are going to resume on Route 15 in the Winfield area where the CSVT bridge intersection is that's between Grangers Road and Route 304 that's part of the CSVT ramp projects there 
there, so the passing lane will be used for driving, and the uh, outer lanes will be used for construction. Also, we got word yesterday that a roundabout's coming to Lewisburg. These are always controversial. Folks uh, don't like them when they are installed, but uh, maybe they come to like them. I always love them because you can drive through a busy four-way intersection without stopping. But in any event, uh, JPM Road and Hospital Drive, sort of a quirky offset intersection to start with. So this, they say, will help that. They'll realign the roads and the side rocks and put in a roundabout there. If you don't know, a roundabout is a circular intersection where motorists move through without stopping. Traffic approaching the circle yields to the driver in the circle. They got lots of them in Delaware, and let's see, they have one at the Susk into the Lycoming Mall, and the, and in Canada they're called roundaboots. Roundaboots, okay, yes. okay, fabulous. All right, so yeah, there'll be a roundabout uh, coming to the Lewisburg area. Thank you, Kevin. And uh, last evening, the celebration of Sunbury's 250th birthday officially got away. State Representative Linda Schlegel Culver is one of the grand marshals of the entire celebration in the July 4th parade. I was born and grew up in the city of Sunbury, and uh, to be able to be partners with all of the people that are here as far as you know, businesses that have been here for years, and our city council, our county commissioners, it's been great to watch Sunbury grow and revive itself. Senator Gordner said that the city being older than the formation of our nation is incredible. It's an old city, and yet it's a very modern city as well. Lots of things happening here, lots of investments being done in the building that we're in right now, uh, the street that you drive in, Chestnut Street, Market Street, Reagan Street, Celotex, uh, Silk Mill, lots of things going on, and that's really exciting for the city of Sunbury. And the lawmakers say they'll be back in town today to announce uh, that some more state funding or some more of our tax dollars coming back to Sunbury uh, will be helping out in uh, Sunbury in the years ahead. The Democratic U.S. Senate candidates had their first uh, face-to-face uh, debate last night with all three of the candidates there. Yes, John Fetterman actually did appear. He got a lot of flack from the other two candidates, U.S. Congressman Connor Lamb of suburban Pittsburgh and uh, Representative Malcolm Kenyatta of uh, Philadelphia for the 2013 shotgun incident where Fetterman confronted somebody uh, with a shotgun in hand that may have been involved in a nearby street in Braddock. The, of course, Fetterman is white and the individual stopped was black, so the racial aspect of this was talked about uh, last night. But Fetterman says, as mayor, he's the chief law enforcement in the community I was simply trying to help the police and did not point the shotgun at the individual but did detain them and of course if you see Fetterman if you're anything less than six feet he'd be easy to have you detained if he so chose. Uh, Kenyatta said he would end new natural gas drilling leases in an effort to clamp down on global warming in Pennsylvania so Malcolm you just sealed your fate as a third place finisher in a three-way race and Fetterman and Lamb however contend that natural gas is the perfect bridge fuel for the country's economy needs for now, but they each accused each other of flip-flopping and hypocrisy and uh, just generally not being a good future U.S. senator. And finally, an audio recording released to CBS Thursday They confirmed that House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy told his fellow Republican leaders he was seriously thinking about recommending that former President Trump resign in the wake of the January 6th attack. Now, there's a lot of caveats in there. Let me read that again. Uh, CBS has the tape of the House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy telling his fellow Republican leaders 
he was seriously thinking about recommending that former Trump, uh, President Trump resign in the wake of the January 6th attack on the U.S. Capitol. The recording, which was made during the House Republican leadership meeting last year, was released just hours after McCarthy denied that he had ever considered seriously thinking about asking President Trump to resign in the wake of the January 6th attack. So he's caught in a lie. But let me ask you this. It's kind of strange. Uh, Stan's waiting, but do we care about lies and hypocrisy anymore? Well, the problem is we've we've sort of become immune to that. I don't think that the American people approve of that, uh, but it happens all the time. Uh, our, our our public officials lie to us continuously, uh, and it's just like uh, become like well, that's the way that it is because they all do it. But it, it shouldn't be that way, and I don't think that the American people are happy with that. Uh, I think the most people would rather hear the truth, even if they didn't like the truth, than to have you lie to them and find out later on you lied to them. Yeah, that's funny that we, we talked yesterday on the show about President Trump and that his, uh, somebody sent in a list, I think it was about 200 things that he had accomplished or done or helped affect or, you know, that really, or, or just plain happened while he was uh, president. But then we said, you know, his personality made it difficult for him to stay president and the pandemic might have been perceived that he didn't do as well as he could there. But in any event, imagine if he had told the truth all the time and simply said, hey, this pandemic is going to kill a ton of people. We're working as fast as we can on vaccines. If you want to wear a mask, wear one. If you want to shut down your business, shut it down. You know, I mean, if, if it just had been like sort of a common sense, like a city councilman, you know, city councilmen never lie. Well, they might, I shouldn't say never lie, but they don't lie to you. Like Jim Eister says, I'm sorry, Packer Street's going to be very slow while Reagan Street's closed. He doesn't say, well, uh, economic development will slow somewhat in the yeah, vicinity. Right. <laughs> but anyway. All right. So we these are our conversation items. Please join us, folks. One. 800-795-9565. Stan, do you want me to read your texts? Or are you going to read them? How do you want to do this? <laughs> well, you know, I had to put it down as I was hearing it because it was pretty pretty astounding, you know, that uh, Mr. Steinhorn seems to be a Biden apologist for everything. Doesn't it's matter funny. what's going on. It's not Biden's fault, which... Uh, well, anyways. Yeah, it's funny. I know. don't hear it that way. And, and and this is what I talked about before. People hear how they wish to hear things said. I definitely think he is in defense of the Biden administration at times, but I think he's more or less explaining this terrible pickle that Biden is in. <laughs> totally self-brought on, of course. Well, John. I, I, I see both sides. I see in some cases that, that he was uh, uh, just trying to explain, but um, I think pretty much he, uh, oh, throughout his conversation, said, well, you know, we just can't blame any president and, and can't blame this president because these things happen uh-huh. and it's, uh, it's not the president's fault. Well, the president has a lot to, to say and a, and a lot of options to do things uh, to make things better or make things worse. All well, right, exactly, Stan. and I, I, I would have liked to hear, and he probably did, but and he, you may have had him on when Trump was in president, what he said about Trump for certain things. Because I did catch that, you know, that the pandemic, you know, killed a lot of people, blah, 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 blah. And he was leaning towards that things weren't done enough, you know, so that would be blaming Trump, you know. So I, it's just the way, way, well, way most of the it. deaths and, you know, were under President Biden. And he was saying that Biden. about student loans, blah, blah, blah. Most of the deaths were under President Trump or President Biden, incidentally, related to the pandemic. But anyway, go ahead. Exactly, but that, that's neither here nor there because that'll never come out in the news. Although that's the truth, 
even with three, you know, two, three, four, whatever vaccine numbers are with on number, you know, unlimited back uh, boosters. You know, we got all these boosters and still people dying from it. So with and without the vaccine. Yeah. So, yeah, but but it just when he gets on there and you know, the oil price is the one that got me. Yes, it's a world market. Yes, the prices are determined by the world market. But when you have a president that stymies oil production in his own country, which takes oil off the world market, that will drive the price up. Isn't it supply and demand? Last time I checked. So if the supply is lower, the price is going to go up. And then we have Russia deciding that they're going to invade Ukraine, which takes that oil well, does it take it off the world market? Because it's still out there. The Europeans are still buying their gas. The Chinese are still buying their, you know, the oil from the Russians. So I don't even know if that came off the world market. But, you know, it, and it didn't start with Russia invading Ukraine. It started January 21st, 2021, when Biden <laughs> started signing his executive orders and he started closing things down. John? The oil you know the supply started getting lower and it, it, it that's you know those numbers are out there if people go look for them you know so and the numbers and the price of fuel started rising at that point inflation started really going up at that point and but biden of course had nothing to do with it because he's pure as the wind-driven snow <laughs> You know that's that's the way Steinhorn put it out there. He's pure as the wind. No, that's, so that's not how he put it. That's how you heard it. That's not how he put it out there. No, that's how he said it. Okay. That's, that's how he said it. You know. <laughs> okay. And as far and, and the Democrats is student loans. You know all this. You know we're going to forgive student loans, and because and as he put it, because young students or younger people vote, and that's how you're going to get them to vote. So what they want to do is the Democrats want to buy votes by paying people's student loans off right. or forgiving them. And that's basically what he said. He didn't come out in those words, but if you read between the lines, oh, no, those, they're buying votes. Those are the lines. I think that's just, in plain Just sight. keep in mind that when we're forgiving student debt, all that means that the taxpayers are going to pay that instead of the student. So that means that well, you and I are going to pay for it. <laughs> well, yeah, there's, there's, yeah, and, you, and you're right about that, but hopefully these Students that went to college and going to get these big jobs become high tax paying individuals because they're going to get these super duper jobs and pay large amount of taxes into the treasury to help pay for the students. So basically, they're paying it anyway. They're just you know, not paying as much as they would if they had to pay the whole amount off themselves, yeah. plus pay their taxes. Well, one of the things he mentioned is that, uh, not in this uh, commentary, but in his tease for the things that we could talk about, is half the people who have student loans never got their degrees. Now, they may still be high earners. You know, you're talking about high earners paying good taxes, and that's there. But he said about half of the people, uh, an estimate, half the people never got a degree so they didn't like they didn't become doctors or lawyers and and without the degree still elevate in those uh, in those positions and half of the people and that Mark, got, half of the people that got degrees uh, end up in a 35 or 40 thousand dollar a year job and it would take them two lifetimes to pay off the student loans because the degree is almost worthless a job many of them are quitting these days also we might add but that's another topic all right Stan we'll give so, you the last word go so, ahead. so if these people People got degrees, okay, and they or, or didn't get their degrees, didn't finish your 
college, and we're still supposed to be. I don't care where they finish or not. They signed on the bottom line that they were going to honor their debt and pay it off. Just like I do when I buy a car, buy a house, or anything else, I sign on the bottom line, and I'm honored. My honor says I have to pay that back because that's the agreement I made. Right. These people did that with student loans, and and to say anything else is just wrong. Well, and, and this is totally government saying it to the students. The students aren't saying, hey, I'm not paying. It's the government saying, you don't have to pay. But it's specifically uh, two categories. It's only about 10% of the student loan holders in general, and it's the ones that are doing work <laughs> in public service for a decade and are, uh, they're, let's see, they're doing public service for a decade and are in good stead, of course, before the many freezes that started, incidentally, during the Trump administration, but President Biden has doubled and redoubled and doubled again. But anyway, it's for them, plus for the ones that are in the low-income payback. But again, you have to be current to get the loan forgiveness, so it's just for that sliver of the crowd. So, All right, well, thank you, Stan. Thank you so much for calling in. Very much appreciated. Chris, stand by. John, stand by. Kevin, uh, go ahead and make sure that uh, we can hear from the Sunbury Motor Company. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Flat a tree for your tomorrow. It's your tree Ah, uh, yes, John Denver, plant a tree. It's Earth Day. Did you know that? It is Earth Day. What did you do on the first Earth Day? Well, uh, one of the things that I I didn't do, I really didn't do much on the first day. One of the things I did, though, is uh, I built a uh, super-insulated, passive solar-assisted house, uh, which... Uh, was way ahead of its time, and uh, so you're the guy in Sunbury with the solar panels on the roof. No solar panels; it didn't need them. Oh, okay. Oh, the whole house was built in such a manner. All right, fabulous, Chris. Thank you for your patience. Really appreciate it. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Yeah, I think Stan only hears what he wants to to hear. <laughs> Just blame Biden for everything. I think it's a human condition, but anyway. Yeah, <laughs> it's a human condition, I guess. But uh, the, with the oil prices. I went back and I looked at the oil prices, and if you look at the daily prices, it started going down a little in February during the Olympics. And if you read the articles all that at that time from Forbes and the oil reporting companies, the the their prediction for the amount of oil needed for the year was was going to be lower, <clears throat> and they. They uh, were in agreement that it was the the end of the pandemic peaks in in January that was causing the price to go up. 
that nobody mentioned anything Biden had done causing the prices to go up. It was all it was all uh, recovery going faster than they expected it to. Okay. And then at the uh, a few days before the Olympics ended in February, you started getting the reports that there was really going to be a war in Ukraine, and speculation started. And from then on, it was just speculation. It was the speculation that was causing the increase. Okay. And that all that had nothing to do with that. That speculation would have been there. It was all the war in Ukraine. But we know President Biden has had an impact on gasoline prices through his energy policies, and some of it may wait, not... Wait, wait, how do we know that? Well, because we can quantify it, because we know that public opinion impacts gasoline prices and futures markets and all this spec- together. No, spec- yeah, speculation does, but did anything... All, those, all that is, is short-term. Okay. No, let's let's talk about long term. Let's talk uh, about and the, okay. Let's talk all about was, all that speculation is short term. Buying futures is shorter term. Okay, right. Let's, let's talk about long term. Let's talk about okay. Ca- okay, let me talk about long term. <laughs> well, first, Chris, what, I guess. <laughs> what I'll ask you a question. I want you to answer about long term. Okay, there you go. What did he? Okay, let's talk about long term. Let's talk about cancellation okay, of the of the Keystone Pipeline. Let's talk about cancellation of of hundreds of leases. Uh, uh, the oil companies held to drill on on public land. Uh, let's talk about uh, okay. increasing. Let's talk about. Uh, uh, Is any of that long term evidence? It's all long term. It's all long term. Is anything in the long term <laughs> have anything to do with today's prices? Absolutely. How? When you when you listen, this administration has done has threatened and in other words, you don't know. Well, if you stop talking and let me talk, I'll try to explain. (laughs) There we go. He's on hold. Okay. So when this administration went to the banking industry and had them reduce the amount of funding available to energy companies, that has a major and immediate impact. Oil companies borrow money to drill new wells and so forth, and then pay it back out of the revenue. So those kind of things had a, had, a, had an immediate impact on long-term production, and that raised the prices. You're correct. Supply and demand make the difference. So if there's an, a, an excess of supply, the price goes down. If there's an excess of demand, the price goes up. And, you know, we can explain it in a lot of ways, but supply and demand is a big issue. All right, Chris, now your view supply on this topic. Supply and demand isn't the issue in this. It's speculation, which doesn't have to do with supply and the demand. It's projected supply and demand, and it's short-term. All the things you mentioned that Biden did were long-term. And if you do not care about the environment, if you do not accept that we need to use less gas gas in order to protect our environment, then I guess you could say in the long term, like what the price might be in a year or two years, is going to be higher because of what Biden did. I'll agree with that. But the price that we are paying now has nothing to do with that. And John... I wanted to ask you a question. He's okay. I think we agree on on abortion from what our last conversation was about it, and I wanted to clarify that because my position is 
a woman should be able to have an abortion. She shouldn't be forced to bear children. Well, And as far as I could tell, your libertarian position amounted to exactly my position. I, I, I don't... Am I wrong? No, I, I, I sort of agree with you. I, my, my issue is that... Uh, uh, my issue is that uh, you can't, you really can't legislate morality. And uh, if a woman just decides that, uh, my my personal thing is, if a woman doesn't want to get pregnant, there are ways to to, to avoid becoming pregnant so that you don't have to have an abortion. And I think that's the preferable way to handle the, the, the issue. Yes, I agree. Okay, I think uh, we agree on very that. Very surprised that uh, we uh, we actually agree on abortion. Well, and nowadays I think if abortion was completely illegal, and when I suggested I th- that after we're you not. were off the air with Mark and Joe, they both said that that wasn't the case from what you said. No, I, I, I said that I wasn't it. sure. I said I wasn't sure, and I can't speak uh, for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, Chris, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for calling. You, yeah, wonderful conversation. Very much appreciated. All right, Bob, last caller before another quickie break. Go ahead, sir. You're on the mark. Yeah, good morning. When you guys are just talking about uh, having children and stuff like that, what about 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds that are pregnant, get pregnant? They don't even know what sex is. People don't even talk about sex. It's a forbidden sin that for some reason parents don't speak about it. And then you had this stupid fan, whatever his name is in Florida, coming up with this crazy shit in the elementary schools about you can't say gay or you can't talk about transgender and, you know, changing times. Times are changing. Have you read that you know? law? Have you read that law? It does no, not I have not. I don't live in Florida. I could care less about it, to tell you the truth. Well, I just you're, feel it's I mean, you're making, a lot of, you're making a lot of statements that are incorrect. You have to read the law. It doesn't say anything about gay. It never mentions gay. It never, it never, it, 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 you know, all this stuff, don't say gay. That is a left-wing talking point. Read the law and see what it says, and you'll realize, I don't, I agree. I don't think we should be talking to, to, to kindergartners about sex, you know. Most most kids don't uh, don't Actually, even know what it is. Actually, it's not about sex. It's about different sexes. Well, since we only have two sexes, why that's all that we should be talking about. And every kid knows he has a mommy and a daddy. It just it just mandates age appropriate education and, and things that are related to any gender fluidity or things like that aren't aren't needed in grades one through three. I mean that's Lawrence's worthless encapsulation of it. But it definitely does not say anything about being gay. That's not. It's just plain not in there. So, all right, we well, got it's to. Just, just what the media says. Well, I'm I'm just happy that your morning guest struck a nerve on Stan. You know. They can't uh, listen to the truth and understand it. Right. All right. We got you. Thank you so much. It's their agenda. And, you know. All right. We got you, Bob. Thank you so much for calling in. Well, there was another thing I had. Uh, Hurry up. Go right ahead. For some reason, your tech machine ain't working. As far as Wolf and Biden, what they did in the best times that we had when this pandemic came out was to try and save lives. You know, under Trump... Lion, 450,000 people died before the elections even started under his watch. So saying that more people died under Biden is just a lie because we had almost half a million people died over COVID 
from Trump's lies, you know. Hmm, and the money, that's, buying, that's actually, buying, buying elections and stuff like that. Just remember that happens that, all the time in Washington with the NRA. Just, Hold on, John. Uh, go ahead, Bob, Bob. Finish up. You're done in a second. Go ahead. Well, that's all I wanted to say was, right. you know, this is about buying votes uh, and stuff like that for the Democrats. It's been going on in Washington, and it's happening all the <laughs> well, time. that's true. Everywhere. Pandering to your base. All right, yeah, you can do it with corporate welfare giveaways, or you can give it, do it in student loan forgiveness. Either, either way, it's the same thing. You were going to say something about Just the Just remember deaths. that there were no vaccines until a month before President Trump went out of office. December of December of 2020 was when the first vaccines were available. So 300,000 people died before vaccines were available. By the time President Biden came into office, the vaccines were being fairly widely distributed. So the other 700,000 or, or, or so are on Joe Biden's watch. The problem with Mr. Biden is he guaranteed that he would stop this, this, this epidemic, this pandemic, and obviously he wasn't able to do that. <laughs> yeah, where was he Another last winter and last <laughs> fall when we really needed him? All right. Well, we are talking about energy, pandemic, Biden versus Trump. Uh, let's see. What else? Student loans. We brought up the topic of student loans. About 10% of the student loan holders in the U.S. who have federal student loans would be forgiven if and only if they've been current up to now. But we understand. I read a New York Times article about apparently the student loan office is in big debacle condition. This started under the Trump administration. Apparently, when you give an office nothing to do, it falls apart, so we can talk about that. All right, to be continued, 1-800-795-9565. You can email us at onthemarketwkok.com and text us at 70236. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them blue for me and you. And I think to myself... What a wonderful world. Yeah, nicely done. Thank you so much, Kevin. Her observing Earth Day here today. Uh, one of our listeners says, Hey, Chris, do you really think alternatives will save the environment? The process to get these materials to build alternatives destroys the environment. Another listener says, Chris, 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 Chris. Chris supply and demand, buddy. Biden's speeches lowered supply. So, of course, prices went up when demand increases. Can a speech lower supply? Can just remark and words hurt that much? But I know public it's opinion policies. Okay, it's yeah, actual policies, it's not policies necessarily the speeches even. themselves. Another listener says attempting to defend the indefensible Trump gasoline. Well, oh no, I got to read it right. Attempting to defend the indefensible. Period. President Trump's gasoline prices were two dollars thirty-nine cents a gallon at the end of his term. Biden's price is now four dollars twenty-nine cents per gallon. Actually, I got it for like four oh five the other day. Anyway, leadership makes all the difference. Says one of our good uh, listeners. And let's see if I can get this one up on the topic of student loan debt. 
One of our listeners sends a note, says, according to research by PolitiFact, 39% of people holding federal student loan debt did not graduate in six years, not 50%. Yes, Steinhorn said about half. So 39% is almost 40, 40 is almost 50. So, And some of that is, of course, Lawrence's worthless reading of things and recalling them. So, yeah, but anyway, okay, factual information, PolitiFact, uh, 39% of people holding federal student loans did not graduate in six years. Secondly, According to the National Center for Educational Statistics, only 62% of students graduated from college in six years. So with or without debt, 40% of students do not graduate from college in six years. Quote, while 39% of borrowers did not complete a degree, they account for only 23% of debt borrowed. Well, that makes sense. That's according to the Brookings Institute. one of their senior fellows, that would make sense because you don't do four years, so you don't uh, you don't rack up the full blown amount. Well, and the other thing I was pointing out to John, and, and this is I read in the New York Times, so take it with a grain of salt, is that they said uh, that this is for people that are in the public service and the low income divisions of the student loan payback systems. But you have to be current in the loan in order to qualify for this new debt forgiveness that you're talking about. You can't be have been a deadbeat all along and then suddenly, aha. You know, I want uh, free money. You have to be current, and you were already in either a low-income co- or a public service component of this. Lance, you're on the mark. Thanks for calling our talk show. Go right ahead. Yeah, it's always good to uh, hear old DNC Steinhorn's uh, slam on things, you know. Gives you an idea as to the uh, <laughs> problems we're facing, that's for sure. Yeah, sometimes he leans left, and other times he flops over. Well, you know. But uh, you're talking about enhancing the uh, education of, uh, you know, the higher education, and that that it does add to the cost. I'm sure, you know, things like uh, golf courses and uh, retro movie theaters uh, really, uh, you know, enhance a person's uh, education, make them a better whatever they are uh, studying to be. And that's you know, goes on all over the place. And this uh, being Earth Day, uh, John, remember what we were all afraid of on the first Earth Day? Freezing to death. Remember that? Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, the new the new mini ice age was coming. <laughs> yeah, I can't read the blurb because you can only uh, <laughs> only read a synopsis of it, you know, through your own head. We're not supposed to uh, read verbatim. But the one that was in Time Magazine was really good. They were talking about the thickening of ice around Greenland and how the armadillos were headed south, you know, because it was going to uh, get really, really cold, like in Illinois, and that the ambient temperature of the Earth had dropped, uh, well, one degree, one and a half degrees centigrade, really, since about 1945. And it really had. It really had. But uh, a new ice age was on the way. So now, because we had uh, 30 years of uh, warming, 
why, of course, uh, we're all going to be uh, turning on a spit before too long. Right. Lance, how much of a factor was fluorochlorocarbons, the propellants that we were using then that were supposed to put a hole in the ozone? How much of a factor was that? Are you familiar with that? They, they outlawed them. I mean, there, there was, you know, there was, they were widely used at the time and became a major concern. And then the government said, you can't, you have to find some different propellants. So. But is uh, was the worth warming or cooling as a result of overuse of those? I don't think it was attributed to that okay. at, point, at that point. But it, I just remember the same discussion. <clears throat> All right, go ahead, Lance. What else is on your mind? Um, well, what I, was I was really surprised uh, about John. You know that uh, he's one of those people that seems to hold our own young in contempt and hatred. And it just uh, really surprised me. I really did. What are you talking about? In what way does he hold our young people in contempt? Or do you mean Leonard Steinhorn? No, I'm talking about John right there. In what? Okay, this ought to be good. Go ahead, bridge the bridge the gap that no one else can see. No, really. What what I'm what I'm trying to say is I'm just asking why he does feel about our own young the way he did. Uh, he really expressed it like you could feel or you could hear the uh, sort of contempt in the man's voice. In John Shipman's voice. Okay, this is a new one. John, holding our, our generation uh, X in, in contempt. I, I, I certainly don't. I don't know where that impression came from. About abortion. I have, well, I think, well, geez, people have abortions. I think I have a very balanced uh, approach to abortion. First of all, I think that there's plenty of ways that uh, a woman can avoid becoming pregnant, and I think she should use those. Uh, but I also don't don't believe that uh, we should uh, be in the business of regulating things that are private like abortion. I, I think that you can't regulate uh, uh Morality, so uh, I'm pretty pretty libertarian on that point. I'm not sure how you interpret that to mean that I disrespect our young people. I think that they're very bright, and uh, I think oh, that I'm talking about the the young person in the womb. Oh, the unborn. Oh, the unborn. The unborn. Okay. All right, we got you, Lance. All right. Well, thank you so much. Any any additional thought about that? Uh, no, I I uh, I, uh, I think that. Protecting the, the a child in the womb is is important, um, but uh, I think that you know there's it becomes all about abortion and let's talk about the whole issue of pregnancy and so forth. Let's not just hone in on one little piece of it. Well, yeah, and we, we well never mind. We we've been over this topic a hundred times. It looks like tomorrow I'll be shoveling 10 feet of global warming. <laughs> global warming can cause weather at both extremes, hot and cold. I see. So you're saying warming makes it colder. Well, aren't you the queen of crazy land? Oh. Everything's the opposite of everything. La-di-da-di-da. Oh, gosh. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> Only you can do that. All right, we got a big long email that we still have set aside here. We hope to read. We got three callers lined up. We'll take one before the break. Go ahead, Tom, and then uh, it'll be time for the break, and we'll, we'll do the lightning round. Go ahead, Tom. Yeah, just a uh, a quick question and a comment. Uh, with with the business on the gas prices and so forth, and what. Chris was referring to the, that Biden has no responsibility at all. 
uh, when you come into all, when Trump was in, he was very pro uh, drilling, uh, the oil industry, independence. Biden comes in and reverses much of that. And and this question's for John. Uh, as being, and, and I don't agree with Chris at all, uh, being an investor for many, many, many years, would you recommend an investment uh, for people to make in a company that the government was saying that we're going to slowly choke off and try to get rid of and try to hold down and not offer them opportunities like the oil industry, would that be a company that, that John, you would tell people to invest in or tell them to stay away from it? And my point being, you know, if you were in oil in, in the oil business and you see the writing on the wall of what, what Biden's swinging to, who is going to invest billions and billions and billions of dollars? And that's what we're seeing. And that's, I, that's and I, I, I agree with that. Right. Uh, Thank you, you, Tom. When you have a uh, uh, when you have the government opposing uh, something, you know that uh, or or heavily regulating it, you know that it, it's it's uh, uh, going to hurt that industry. On the other hand, if you have the government supporting uh, a particular industry and encouraging a particular industry, you know that that industry is going to thrive. So uh, your point is well made uh, that the it's hard to recommend uh, a stock of a company that you know the government is uh, going to try to ratchet uh, the pressure on and eventually put that company out of business. I hope we get a really good president next time that can really address this in a rational, common sense, libertarian fashion. How about that? All right, 1-800-795-9565 is our telephone number, but unfortunately, uh, we're, the lines are booked up, so we got to read one big email that came in way too long, like 300 words, but we'll try to get to it, and we got two callers waiting. Callers come first. This has always been the policy. We'll be right back. There's something to be said about a sale with a handshake, a service technician who really knows what he's doing and can explain it in English what the problem is. There's nothing better than having that friend you could trust in the area. That's Sunbury Motors, where you get selection, knowledgeable salespeople, and prices that fit your budget, and more important, that friend you can trust. Welcome to Sunbury Motors, Kia, Ford, and Hyundai. You could chop other dealers and compare prices, but at Sunbury Motors, you get their lowest price promise. They research the current used vehicle market and guarantee their used car prices are the lowest. If you find a lower price, Sunbury Motors will beat it. Three dealers, all in one. See their full new and pre-owned inventory at sunburymotors.com. Pick out a vehicle you like and schedule your test drive online. Follow them on Facebook. Sunbury Motors Ford and Hyundai, North 4th Street, Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Even John Shipman enjoys Friday, and he's retired. Yeah. <laughs> every day's a Friday for every you, right? Uh, actually, probably every day's a Saturday. All right. Thank you so much for waiting. Jim are going to be our next to the last to caller of the day. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Hey, Mark. Uh, you and I uh, are on the uh, the bad boy list. Uh, I uh, received a phone call from the school county chairman that uh, Miss Beck uh, is not happy with my... Uh, calling into your program and talking about the 107th legislative district race i uh, would like to say to her mm. but anyway um uh, 
You know, uh, you were talking about opposites real before. I know we're up against the clock. Uh, Schuylkill County is 125 precincts. They have 125 committee men, 125 alternates. Evidently, Northumberland County has zero committee men, just this Deb Beck. Uh, she runs the entire party. Hey, Northumberland County, are you happy with that? Is that the way you want your thing to be? One person running the party? I thought uh, dic- uh, dictators were bad. You guys have a good day. Well, have your candidate call our call me, and we'll put her on the radio. Be it for every all the well, okay. Well, anyway, I can just say it. Maybe he's listening. All of the uh, political candidates who are on the ballot and have an open mic, they can call any time as any caller can, or they can call ahead and make a, an appointment and be on for 10 to 20 minutes or so. Lots of candidates have been on. Uh, Bob, last caller before the end of the week. Go right ahead. You're on the mark. Yeah, hey, Mark, you know, need to start doing a better job for us Democrats. You're doing a lousy job defending us. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I play a very bad liberal on the radio. You're right. Yeah, I try to be middle-of-the-road objective, so there's no there's no doubt that I'm a bad Democrat. I saw there was somebody that donated, and this happens all the time, millions of dollars to colleges. So why can't that million of dollars of donations to that college pay for those students in that college? This would benefit so many people. I mean, I I understand people don't think the middle class or the rich deserve breaks for anything. I mean, there's poor people, like I was a poor person growing up. I mean, we didn't have running water in our house. We didn't have a toilet. We had a bucket, we had an outhouse. I mean, things were bad back in the day. And All I'm right. not complaining because I still had some place to go to the bathroom. All right, we got you. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate you taking your minute. One of our listeners says, I just want to say I 100% agree wholeheartedly with Dan and all he says regarding President Donald Trump. I cannot believe all these people who continually shoot themselves in the foot by disparaging Trump and acclaiming Biden. Are you kidding, people? This man, Biden, cannot even complete a sentence without stumbling and correcting himself. He cannot address the nation without having to say, oh, am I not allowed to talk about that? Again, are you kidding that we have to put up with such ridiculousness in this country? Biden opens the door to the border, continually letting people into this country without vetting them or seeing to it that they are not bringing disease to us. Every surge of COVID we get seems to be after a large load of illegals were brought into this area. And people question that. We have no business questioning Biden's cognizance. Do you need a medical doctor who treats Biden to tell the nation that Biden is failing his mental capacity? Come on, get a life, people. I know I was able to lay my head on the pillow every night with the security of knowing there was a man, President Trump, in the White House looking out for us 24-7 and not someone who has handlers who were not voted into the presidency but have all the say. Who is this? How much do you people want to bet Barack Obama is the leader of this pack running Biden. Shame on you, Biden lovers. This is our country that is the greatest country in the world, which should be safe and free from all this lawlessness and craziness that's happening now. Oh, yes, let's open the pipelines and take care of business so we can eat, be warm in the winter, cool in the summer, and regain 
confidence in the capital T-H-E, the United States, exclamation point. Thank you for the email. Very much appreciated. Another listener says on another topic, the Florida parental rights and education law stated that education regarding sexual orientation or gender identity must be age appropriate. But I think it's even, is it banned from one, two, and three, or first three I grades? I thought it was. I, th- yeah, I think it's heavily regulated in the first three grades, and then after that, age appropriate. However, the law does not set standards for what is age appropriate. As a retired public school principal, my school law professor taught me a law that doesn't contain language which includes the required standards cannot be enforced and please don't say I'll know it when I see it I can't wait for the court challenges on this issue says our emailer thank you so much John thanks for thank coming you, my in friend. always a pleasure yeah vibrant discussion thank you so much for coming in thank you Kevin great job all week fabulous bumper music and a whole lot more and thank you everybody for listening to On the Mark Bad Liberal Lawrence signing out WKOK Sunbury <laughs>